host, Alexi Tavares. And I'm your co-host, Jeffrey Bradshaw. And this is our second episode of Capitol Desk on Senate Bill 11, part of our Campus Carry series. And um, before we begin, I just wanted to give a brief shout out to our listeners for last week's podcast. It was rather successful considering that I don't feel like a lot of people want to hear me talk, (laughs) (laughs) at least in my social life. Um, It's basically the opinions I get. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we also wanted to give a brief shout out to our survey respondents um, for this week's podcast. We created a a small little 10 question survey for to just to get kind of a idea of how texas state students feel about campus carry so for our icebreaker we are going to talk about our favorite eras in political history jeffrey my favorite era in political history is probably the 1960s the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. mainly because it was just such a great example of citizens enacting change Mm -hmm. within government Mm -hmm. because uh, probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the people that marched and protest and Mm -hmm. did the sit-ins and all that I think it's definitely a good era, and I think a lot of people should should definitely look back up upon mm-hmm. it and think, well, you know, I should probably I could probably be a little bit more engaged. It's important. And uh, my favorite political era is probably the Cold War. Um, I'm not a communist, for the record. <laughs> I've been accused of being a communist by some of my friends. <laughs> um, but um, it's my favorite era because. It's uh, it sets a precedent for the way international politics is conducted in more modern times, such as now. And um, I mean, you have these two dominant powers, mm-hmm. the Soviet Union and the U.S., and they're kind of going at it. And it's interesting to see how all these smaller countries kind of get swept behind. I yeah. mean, I could talk about the Cold War forever, <laughs> but <laughs> it's my favorite era. And um, so for before we begin, I wanted to make a correction on something I said last week that was um, impartially incorrect. Um, we just want to make sure we aren't purposefully giving out false information, not our intention by any means. Um, when I mentioned the UT president, um, was against campus carry, I was actually referring to Admiral William McRaven, who is a chancellor of the University of Texas system. So. All right. Um, we're going to talk about Senate Bill 11. And for a brief rundown, it is a bill that would allow concealed handgun license holders to carry their handguns on campuses of higher education colleges. Um, the author was Senator Birdwell, who is a Republican from Granbury. There are 18 sponsors on this bill, which is pretty big yeah. because there's only yeah. 20 Republicans in the Senate. <laughs> um, I don't know what the other two were doing. I guess they just weren't there that day. Um, it passed the House and it is currently awaiting a vote, or passed the Senate and is currently awaiting a vote in the House. A concealed gun license is for anyone that is 20 years of age or older. You have to take a four to six hour class. There are four topics that they talk about in the class, which I felt were important to mention, which are nonviolent conflict resolution, which is great, um, use of force, handgun use, and safe and proper storage. There is a physical demonstration where you have to shoot for the concealed handgun license officer who is ever teaching the class. It's only for handguns. It's not for rifles. It's not for shotguns. And it's also important to mention that to renew your handgun license, um, you now only have to apply online. You don't have to go through the class again, which changed two years ago in the last legislative session. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the introduced version, which actually hasn't changed too much um, from the amendments that were filed. Um, but before we do that, um, we want to go over some brief definitions that are necessary in terms of legally, and we just want to make sure that we're 
you know what we're talking about and there aren't any questions or doubts. So a campus, uh, meaning all land buildings owned by an institution of higher education, which is pretty self-explanatory, um, but an institution of higher education legally um, includes a public technical institute, public junior college, public senior college, university medical or dental unit, a public state college, or any other agency of higher education. So you're not going to see concealed gun carriers in high school anytime soon. Hopefully. Just, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but we just want to make that clear that it is an institute of higher education only. So we're going to talk about the amendments um, because the bill is pretty lengthy. And if any of you have ever attempted to read a bill, it is not fun. It is filled with a lot of You'll bureaucratic... probably have to change your major yeah. <laughs> to law. Yeah, <laughs> filled with a lot of bureaucratic language. And it, it took us a bit to kind of sit down and kind of just digest it a bit. So um, there were 25 total amendments filed, um, which is... It's quite a bit. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of amendments. And two were withdrawn and 20 were tabled, which goes to say that there weren't many amendments that were passed. The bill, yeah. again, <laughs> pretty much stands as it was introduced by Senator Birdwell. And the first amendment we're going to talk about is Amendment 9, which was filed by Senator Kirk Watson, who is a Democrat from Austin. And the amendment gives private universities the option to opt out of campus carry. And... Um, Jeffrey, what do you think Senator Watson was aiming to accomplish with this amendment? Well, I think Senator Watson definitely knew that this bill was going to pass. Mm-hmm. It did pass along party lines, 20 to 11. Um, so what he was trying to accomplish was just to get the least amount of campus land, physical land, to have concealed ca- uh, campus carry on it legally. He was just trying his very best to make the bill more what he wanted. He just mm-hmm. knows that he couldn't completely mm-hmm. strike down the bill, so he was trying to make it more to his liking and to the Democratic side's liking. Okay, and um, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit of a trade-off, um, the way you describe it, in that he can't, can't strike it down, so he's going to kind of push an amendment that will, you know, lessen the mm-hmm. amount of the influence of campus carry. Um, would you say it's because the bill is a more of a rational approach or it's more of a get what you can get out of it sort of deal? I think it's a get what you can get out of it sort of deal. He knows that if the he didn't file any amendments, it would have just passed right through the Senate mm-hmm. just the way it did. Um, so he just tried to amend it into a way that was just make it better for him and for the Democrats. Okay. And, I mean, do you feel it's it's fair? I mean— Take it with a grain of salt, but do you think it's fair that private universities get to opt out, or um, while pri- while public universities don't necessarily have this option, should it pass in the House? Well, I guess it's fair. It's very conservative to allow private institutions of any sort to mm-hmm. do what they want to do um, off from what the government wants to do for public institutions of whatever. So I think it's very conservative. The amendment that Kirk Watson a uh, filed was pretty conservative considering I th- it, I don't know if it's fair it, I don't think it is it just gives more privilege to the private universities mm-hmm. which they don't they're not getting this privilege just because they cost more to students like that's not why he amended the bill but it seems that they're getting more privileges for being just a private university which are more expensive and things like that I think it's also interesting that considering what you just said that it is 
it was filed by a Democrat because typically that is the conservative mm-hmm. platform, um, which I think is just interesting to keep in mind. But it does create this sort of muddy water situation where I mean, students that didn't maybe grow up with their fathers or their grandfathers or anyone in their family, it doesn't have to be a male, but anyone in their family just um, shooting guns, whether they're hunting or just go to the shooting range. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a taboo, mm-hmm. I, I think. I mean... I think it would be very taboo for people that weren't raised on guns. I mean, I have the very classic Texan story. Mm-hmm. I got a shotgun for Christmas when I was... I don't know how old I was. <laughs> I was not in high school or junior high yet, I don't think. Um, it was one of the greatest Christmas gifts I got. I was really happy about it. I'm not saying I didn't like it. Um, but it's just for people that who weren't raised around guns, mm-hmm. for people that didn't have several types of guns in their house, who didn't have their parents showing them how to clean a gun, how to be safe with a gun. It's just very taboo for them to see a gun. Because mm-hmm. guns are very... They're not normal, basically. So if you... Because you don't really use a gun for anything other yeah. than hunting, or hopefully that's the only thing you use a yeah. gun for, or self-defense. So for people that weren't raised on them, never really experienced them, I feel like it would be very taboo, very weird, very very bad for them to just see guns on campus. I do have to agree with you in that my dad, was in, he's in the military, and he grew up shooting guns, going hunting with his dad. And I mean, even though I grew up with the background and I do have respect for our armed forces, it, I mean, he, my dad told me, he was like, oh, I'm going to buy you a gun one, one year. (laughs) It's it's intimidating. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you ever shot a gun before, it's, it's really powerful. And I mean, I don't know anything about like, I don't know a lot about guns in terms, but what I, one time I went to the shooting range and I shot like a smaller handgun versus a bigger weapon. And it's, it's got a lot of kickback. Yeah. It's really, literally, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, really kicks back literally lot. it's uh it's pretty intimidating. So I think it's just important to keep in mind. Um, but our second amendment we're going to talk about is amendment one, which was uh, filed by Senator Joan Huffman from Houston. And she is a Republican. And um, it strikes two sections of the bill that we aren't really going to talk about because it just... A lot of legal jargon. Yeah, a lot of legal jargon, and it really isn't relevant to the campus care. I mean, it's uh, it's relevant, but it's it's we're just going to gloss over it. Um, but it does add a new section um, where it holds a license holder accountable if their weapon is partially or wholly visible. And it, again, it's a stress on concealment, and you can receive up to a third-degree felony um, if you are seen with a partially or wholly visible handgun. I mean, can we talk about a little bit more about this concealed weapon versus open weapon and how the perceptions change drastically with the two, between the two? Well, I think I like how you can receive a really big felony mm-hmm. for um, having it out in the open. I like the idea of if you're going to allow something make the punishment very harsh Mm -hmm. for if it's like very much a privilege to have something like that um so i do like that idea i like how it's concealed like it has to be concealed because that because just seeing a bunch of college kids walking around with guns on their holsters in their holsters would just be kind of very different from society yeah even even though we live in texas which very big gun state you don't see guns a lot except Mm -hmm. for police officers really Mm -hmm. And I think I think it should be kept that way. I think there's a sort of association with a gun that should be kept that way in terms mm-hmm. of like that's a security officer. Like they have that gun for a reason. They're not just waving like, their gun around. I don't think around. guns should be normal. They mm-hmm. should be. They yeah. should always be weird to people unless they hunt with them, of mm-hmm. course. But just in the normal day society, I don't think seeing a gun should be that normal. I don't like the idea of yeah. that. 
completely agree with you. Um, but what type of environment does this create for a campus that currently we aren't allowed to have guns or really any other campus, but in terms of concealed versus open? Well, I think it's very much a, not necessarily a trade-off because that's the law for just concealed handguns in general, not just on campus. It creates the environment that they aren't normal, which I think is good. So if you didn't see them, that's better. I like that idea. Yeah, I would I would definitely have to agree with you. And um, President, our president, Denise Trauf, um, she won't uh, fight Campus Terry, but she does not support it. And um, it's it's a very political stance for her to take. And just any thoughts or reasons why you think she took this position? Well, she took the stance because we're a public university and we receive a lot of funding, mm-hmm. pretty much most of the funding mm-hmm. from the state. So if you were to disagree with the party in favor of the Republican Party now. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really bode well for you if you're asking yeah. for money, because if you're like, I don't like you when it comes to this bill, but can I have some money, please? That just doesn't create a good environment for the school. Yeah. In terms in terms of like politically, um, we are waiting for the legislature to see if we will be able to get funds for a new engineering building and a new nursing building. Um, at, Ra- at the Round Rock campus. So I do think it, it was a very political move of her to, while she might be against it personally, you know, you have she's. To pick your battles. Yeah, she's still relying on the. I mean, the university is very mm-hmm. heavily relying on the legislature for their funding. So I think that's very important to note. But what kind of precedent does this set for uni- other universities? Well, I don't know if it necessarily sets a precedent, a precedent, not a precedent. Um, <laughs> but I feel like this would be the way that most universities would go about it if mm-hmm. they're not very openly against it. They would just be like, we don't want it. But if you pass it, we're going to have to accept it just because that's the law. We want other things from the legislature, so we shouldn't disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And um, the A&M president, um, in a letter to the legislature, said that he trusted his students and faculty with the responsibility to carry concealed concealed weapons. I mean, this really isn't a surprise coming no. from A and M. Yeah, that's a conservative <laughs> university, conservative part of the state. Well, a conservative part yeah. of the state. Um, so I don't think that's a surprise. I don't mm-hmm. think every university is against campus carry. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, it's definitely not every university against campus carry. So to have a president who's from A and M, which is what the second biggest school in Texas, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big deal. Especially contrasting UT doesn't want mm-hmm. campus carry. Yeah. And so we're going to move now to our survey questions that we asked our respondents. Um, so our first one was, which statement most accurately represents how you feel about the citizens, about citizens having the right to bear arms through the Second Amendment? And almost uh, 50% strongly agreed with the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, coming from Texas. It coming re- from Texas, coming from America. Yeah. It's not a surprise. It really isn't. Um, 20% agreed and about 14% were neutral. Um, and so which our next question was, which statement most accurately describes how you would feel about concealed licensed gun owners lawfully being able to carry their weapons on campus? And um, this was actually split 50-50. Um, Pretty much, yeah. 50%, almost 50% said they felt safe and... Um, 31% said not safe, and about 15 said somewhat not safe. So if you combine the not safe and somewhat not safe, it's people are either for or typically against. There really mm-hmm. isn't any leeway, any neutrality on the stance, which is, I mean, coming from guns. That's yeah. typi- The issue of guns is typically... It's very yes or no. Yeah, very polarized. 
um, which was also interesting with our next question, which is um, what statement most accurately represents how safe you would feel um, should an active shooter situation present itself on campus, assuming concealed licensed gun owners can carry guns on campus? So essentially, um, how safe would you feel if you were endangered and campus carry does pass? And um, again, it was it was a bit polarized. Um, forty percent, almost forty percent said safe, while almost thirty percent said not safe. Mm-hmm. So just reiterating the just the polarization between students. And uh, our last question um, was, what statement would most accurately represent how you how safe you would feel should an active shooter situation shooter situation present itself on campus, assuming concealed license gun owners cannot carry their weapons on campus so essentially if campus carry does not pass and everything remains the same and uh seven almost 70 percent said not safe um which i mean i tend to be a little bit more liberal but Mm -hmm. it it, they do have a point i can i can see the point of campus carry and i mean i might not agree with it but i definitely can see the side and i can see how in a certain situation mm-hmm. with a certain person, that would be okay. Mm-hmm. But just the idea of law enforcement officers being anyone who has four to six hours of yeah. class, I don't like that idea. I mean, it, d- it does get into a bit of a, a gray area, which I, I mean, it's always interesting yeah. for for discussion. Um, but uh, this concludes our uh, our episode. Um, I had a lot of fun. I hope you had a lot of fun I too. <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed it as well. Our next episode next week will be on the infamous lobbyist group, the NRA. They have, uh, are, are, they're a really good example of what a lobbyist group can accomplish. Yes, very good example. And I think that's very important to note because, you know, people don't tend to think of lobbyists as too much, but mm-hmm. the NRA has, has done power. a lot. They have a lot of power, federally, state. state local anything anything. (laughs) they're there they're there um but uh, jeffrey has our quote of the week uh the quote of the week um when i originally saw the headline for this quote that i saw it in i thought it was an onion article but it wasn't um barack obama president obama was reading where the wild things are to a bunch of kids on the white house lawn and some bees flew around (laughs) from the white house beehive because they have a beehive that they actually use in the kitchen which that's really cool that's another um so his the quote was bees are good and the headline that i saw was obama says bees are goods while children scream and yeah. i thought that was just really funny and i agree bees are good yeah. let's go bees i would have to disagree but <laughs> that's another podcast yes. <laughs> um so that concludes our our episode um finally off i'm your host alexa tavares and i'm your co-host jeffrey bradshaw thank you for listening thank you.